Okay, so if you're new, uh, this letter, 2 Peter, Peter, the, the, the author of this letter, has written it to Jesus followers across the known world, and they are struggling, just as you and I are, with trying to navigate culture, trying to navigate opposition, new opposition, and, and, and how do I follow Jesus in this? How do I do my best to, to follow him when I'm in a, uh, a changing time and facing unprecedented circumstances? which I, I know for a lot of you, you're feeling that. You're, you're praying some of these prayers and, and you're crying out to God and, and you're like seeking advice and help. How do I navigate these uh, times? And last week, what we talked about was how Peter tells them there's going to be these scoffers, uh, we might call them haters, that are going to be in the church. They're, they're going to uh, be individuals who are going to uh, essentially mock uh, the return of Christ. And they're going to challenge you in, in, with this question. Well, if he was going to come, why has the earth, why has the world operated just consistently? And if he said he was going to come, why hasn't he come yet? You know, what's the delay? Right? I mean, he said it was going to happen. Uh, it's been all these years. You know, like uh, the first group, when they first said he was returning, they thought it was going to be their time. Still hasn't happened. And look at you today, still preaching this message, um, and he's still not here. And so Peter warns them that these scoffers are going to try to cause them to doubt the reality of Christ's return. And so Peter highlighted moments in time, historically, where God has supernaturally intervened into history. And he says he's going to do it again. And so he continues in this same theme of addressing these scoffers and these doubts uh, in verses 8 through 10 here. So let's, let's read these. It says, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies, or elements, maybe in your version, it will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed." Okay, so, so Peter says, time out. In light of the reality that, that he is coming back, that he's, that he's saying, that he's predicted, that he's prophesied that he's coming back, there's one little fact that you need to remember when you're yourself feeling doubt that he's going to come back or that maybe he, can he even come back. He says, you need to remember this, that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Okay? And Peter here is quoting out of Psalm 90 verse uh, 4, but, but what we see they were doing and what these scoffers were, were, were doing uh, is the same thing that you and I do. See, they were judging God off of their own timetable, right? They, they were critiquing, they were judging, they were, uh, they were literally um, basing 
the success or, or basing the truth off of him delivering on their desired timeline, ignoring the fact that God is eternal. And like I said, we do the same thing, don't we? I was doing this last week. I was negotiating with him about timing and where I'm at in life. God, don't you see me? Like, come on, let's go. And, and, and we all do this, right? Like, uh, how many times have you said, well, I just can't wait any longer? Right there, right? Right there, you're saying, God, where, why haven't you delivered, right? Or, or we'll say, this is taking too long. This is taking too long. If it was supposed to happen, it would have happened already, right? Okay, uh, the question, will it ever happen? Like, I've been praying this way, God, and uh, my life uh, is, is right, and I'm doing what, what Scripture tells me to do, and yet you still haven't come through. You still haven't, uh, you know, opened the door for that opportunity. You haven't given me uh, favor with this job, uh, with this relationship, Lord, all these things that, that I'm, I'm praying to you about, and God, it just hasn't Happen. And, and so what we do in that moment is we're like, God, you have not operated off of the timetable that I've established. And what we need to remember, and that's why Peter says, hey, let's just park the car for a minute. Okay, you need to hear this. God is eternal. Okay, God is eternal. He is without beginning or ending. Okay, do, do you hear that? Like, that's where he dwells. He dwells in eternity. In fact, Isaiah uh, 57, 15, it says, for thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity. Okay, so, so, so that's where he lives at. <laughs> uh, and, and you guys, eternity, when we think of eternity, eternity isn't just time that never ends, right? It's not just this time that keeps going. Uh, it's, it's existence above and outside of time, okay? So he's not limited by time the way that we are. He operates outside of it, okay? And, and he doesn't measure what he's going to do by our standards of time. You guys, when you study uh, just the works of God, uh, especially in the Old Testament, you'll, you'll see a couple things. One, he is never in a hurry, like never, He's never in a hurry. And here's the other thing. He's never late. Right, right? He's never the parent that forgot to pick their kid up. Right? He never pulls up. I'm so sorry. Oh, yeah, you were suffering there. Man, ah, I hope you're okay now. Right? Like, like he's never late. And when you think about just how he operates on this eternal time scale, you guys, uh, when you think of him just creating the entire universe, he could have done that in an instant. Okay, even last week we talked about creation and how, you guys, God was just speaking words and then it came into existence, right? Like, like he wasn't building stuff. He was literally speaking it and it happened. Don't you think he could have done the whole thing in one phrase? And yet what did he choose to do? He chose to do that over time. You look at the Old Testament, you look at the, the nation of Israel who's enslaved to Egypt and you guys, at any point in time, he could have ended that. At any point in time, he could have said, Egypt, you're done. Goodbye. Right? We even get a taste of it with these plagues that are just crazy. So we know he can do whatever he wants at any point in time. And yet, 
he preferred to go a different route, right? He preferred to invest in Moses, train up Moses for how many years before Moses addressed Pharaoh? How many? Uh-uh. You wish. 80. 80? Some of you are 80 in this room, and you're like, yeah, right? <laughs> My dad's been in ministry for forever. He's in his 70s, and I'm like, hey, dad, that's impressive, but Moses started when he was 80, so, you know, you have that to deal with, but um, good job. Way to go. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, some of you are like, yeah, this is for me today. So, but God chose that route, didn't he? Didn't he? I'm going to do something different here. I am going to grow, invest, cultivate this leader over the process of 80 years. You guys, when you think of when Jesus came uh, to the earth, why did God wait so long, right? You ever asked that question? He could have sent Jesus at any point in time. Why did he wait so long? Well, Galatians 4.4 tells us that he waited purposefully until the fullness of time had come, right? So he waited until it was right, it was the perfect moment for Jesus to come. And so he's got his plans, and his plans are perfect, and that's what he's operating off of, and it's eternity. So it's not our timetable. And so we see that God, although he works in time, he's not limited by time like we are, right? And, and, and the scoffers, these haters, they didn't understand this. They didn't understand the eternality of Christ. But here's the other thing they didn't understand. They didn't understand the why. They didn't understand the purpose for the delay. Right? I mean, how many times have, have we asked that? God, why? Why are you waiting? Why have you not come through yet? And we see the answer here, don't we? Why was God delaying the return of Christ in the coming day of the Lord? Well, it wasn't because he was unable to or unwilling to act. It wasn't that there was a schedule mix-up and he was just late or he's off target. It's not that, that he just forgot, you know, he's running the world. It's not like he forgot about us. What do we see? We see God delays the coming of Christ in the day of judgment because he's what? He's patient and wants to give those who are lost the opportunity to be saved. It's because he's patient and he wants to give those who are lost the opportunity to be found. An opportunity for repentance, it says, to happen. And you guys, when you think of the word repent, repent simply means to just change one's mind. It's not regret. It's not remorse. It's literally a changing of my mind that has an actionable response. And so why is he delaying? Why is, why is he waiting? Like, God, come on, don't you see what's going on? God, look at the world. Look at these situations. Look at our culture. Look at, look at the environment. Look at what my kids are gonna grow, like what they're gonna have to navigate. Like, like, what are you doing, God? Like, hey, we're still here. Have you noticed the chaos? Like, like, what's going on? And he is sitting here and he's saying, would you read my words and would you understand that, that me waiting right now is actually a display of my mercy?
He, he's willing that none should perish. In 1 Timothy uh, 2.4, it says, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So, so he is demonstrating, displaying his mercy through this delay. And instead of us, as Jesus followers, and if you're not a Jesus follower, I want you to just listen to this message. But for those of us that are Jesus followers in this room right now, we're sitting here critiquing, criticizing, judging him for not coming back. And he's actually up there going, you should be thinking the opposite. This is a gift right now. Like I'm literally holding off this return so that you can have the opportunity to share your faith and that more and come to a saving knowledge of who he is. And guys, he shows and demonstrates this mercy even to, to the people that are choosing to reject him, to the people that aren't gonna reject him. He still displays this patience and this mercy. You know, uh, we, we see this in, in when we talk about, you know, the flood in Noah's time, and, and Peter's used that example multiple times already. But you guys, when God saw the wickedness and the violence uh, that was going on uh, in the world at that time. He could have judged the world immediately, right? Like done, goodbye. And yet what does he do? He holds back his wrath and he sent Noah, we read in scripture, who was a preacher of righteousness, right? So he sends a messenger to warn the people, to tell them, to plead with them, to respond and to repent over and over again in the Old Testament with the nation of Israel, right? Uh, you see God intervening supernaturally and through prophets, through Moses, pleading with the people, right? Pleading with them to not keep doing what they were doing, which was in opposition to his will. And when they were far off and when they were doing their own thing and, 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 and not being obedient, what, what do you see over and over again? Please come back. Please return. You need to know that if you don't return, this is going to happen. And yet they, they continue to do what they want. But even in that, you guys, you see these characteristics and you'll see it in scripture worded this way, either patience or long-suffering. And guys, that's a characteristic of who God is. Over and over again. And this was, this was a normal thought when you look at Scripture in relation to God's character. In fact, when you, when you go back and, and you look at the story of Jonah, I mean, man, this dude. You look at Jonah, and, and in Jonah chapter 4, it's just fascinating. Jonah has just literally delivered one of the greatest evangelistic outreaches ever. This whole city, Nineveh, is like repenting and all of that. And, and Jonah is not like dancing in the streets. What is he? He's mad at God. He's mad at God for saving those people. And you know what he says to God in this prayer? It's fascinating. In, in Jonah 4, 2, this is what he says. He says, and he prayed to the Lord and said, oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country. That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. He literally says, I ran away because I knew you were patient. I knew you were gracious. 
I knew you would hold off judgment on those people. I'm mad, God. How dare you? He ran because of that, because of this very characteristic of God. And so, guys, this isn't like a new thought. This, was, this is the perception of who uh, God is that we see throughout uh, Scripture. And, and, and he says, you know, literally, as, as, as he continues in this, you guys, you need to hear this. You need to know this, that God's patience has a redemptive motive. Okay? He's, he's waiting, right? He's waiting and he's waiting for those who've yet to believe. He's waiting for some of you right now in this room. Some of you right now in this room, you're like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to do that. Uh, well, I kind of, and you're wrestling with it. And he's like, I'm waiting for you right now. For, for some of you, it's a family member. Right now, he's waiting for your family member. For some of you, it's, it's a coworker. It, it's maybe even the coworker that you're praying that he takes away from you. Right? Amen. The roommate. He may be waiting right now for your roommate. Maybe waiting right now for your friend, your friend that you just want to stay friends. You kind of know you're a little different there and, and that, and you just want to maintain cool and you like having a friendship. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm waiting for, for, for that friend of yours to receive me as their Lord and Savior. Do you, do, do you know that? Do you understand that? You guys, the Apostle Paul asked in Romans 2, 4, he says, or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Peter then completes his response to these scoffers by reminding us that God is a righteous judge and he will bring about what is just and fair. The day of the Lord will come. We read how it's, it's marked here over and over again. It's marked by this catastrophic intervention of God in history for the purposes of what? Of judgment against his enemies and then salvation for his people. And, 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 and we read, it's, it, it, it will destroy the earth, the, the, the universe as we know it, and it will ultimately make room for the new heavens and earth. And so we're like, okay, so the, it's going to come. Uh, man, we can count on that. He's saying to wait. All right, so, so God, just in my flesh, when? When is it going to happen? You know, I kind of like to get prepared. And what's his response? Nobody, nobody's going to know. It will come as a thief in the night. It will come as a thief in the night. I shared this before, but growing up, uh, we were robbed multiple times at our house. And not once did any of those thieves warn us that they were coming. Like, not once. Not once did they just leave a voicemail. Hey, I'm coming tonight going through that window, if you could just leave it a crack open, um, we'd like to steal your minivan. Who steals a minivan? But anyway, um, if you could just leave the keys right there on the table, it would be really convenient. Uh, so just be prepared, uh, however you'd like, but we're coming, right? That, that never happened, right? Every time, ne never happened. And so, and so what do we know? We know that it's going to be a time when we're not prepared, 
We're not ready. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 3, it says, while people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. And so, and so not only is it gonna come when we least expect it, but, but actually we're gonna be in that moment thinking, man, we're good. I feel pretty safe. I feel pretty secure in my faith, in my situation, in my life. Like, things are all right. And, and he literally says, at that very moment, that's the moment when he's going to come back. And we see that in that very moment, that God's going to destroy through judgment, through the day of the Lord. He's going to destroy humanity's greatest works, right? Greatest achievements are just gone. These cities that we find into that we're amazed, you find in New York, and you're just, whoa, you find in different parts of the world, and, and you're just amazed, and, 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 and there's beauty and all these things, and, and, and incredible achievements, innovation, all these things, and it's all gone. And one of the questions that we have to ask is what I'm living for on that list the list of what is just going to go up. He describes it as being burnt. Or am I doing the will of God so that my works will glorify him forever? And then, and then he continues here in verses 11 through 13. He says, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Okay, so, so he's saying here, if Jesus is coming back to judge the wicked, and, and deliver the righteous, then we should be right now living in a righteous way while we're anticipating and looking for his return. Right, you guys, like, like the purpose of prophetic truth that you see in scripture, when, when, when we read about this is what's going to happen, this is what's going to come, the, the purpose of that is not for you and I to go, ooh, we should talk about what I think that's gonna look like. Let's compare charts, right? Well, I think this is gonna happen first. I think that's gonna happen first. Now, that doesn't mean we don't try to understand it. That doesn't uh, mean we don't try to reconcile it with, with truth and study it and all of that. But you need to understand that the heart of God here is not that we get caught up in the weeds trying to figure out things that have not been completely figured out, right? Like, like who am I to sit there and go, hey, can you and I meet? We are gonna solve this thing today. Just you and me. No one's done it yet, but today it's different, right? No, so, so these, the, these words, these, these prophecies, they're not designed to bring about more speculation. They're designed to bring about motivation. See, it, it, it's to, it's to it, by understanding and knowing that he's returning, that this is going to happen, it's to inspire me, it's to excite me so that I am eagerly waiting in anticipation for his return. Peter literally uses the word hastening, like I'm speaking it. I'm like, come back, let's go. 
where are you? I'm, I'm ready, right? I'm excited. I'm getting up and I'm, I'm consumed by that. I'm thinking about it. And so as a Jesus follower, I shouldn't be like fearing these words. I shouldn't be fearing even like it's talking about the world's doom and I shouldn't go, ah, this is awful. No, I should be longing for what he's talking about here, knowing that I have everything to hope for and nothing to fear because this is all coming from a father who loves me. See, because we realize what's gonna happen with this world and that it's gonna be gone, we fix our hope not on anything in this world, but on our Savior, our Lord and Jesus Christ. And because we don't know when he'll return, we must constantly be ready. Why do you think he said you're not gonna know? It's so that I would have that urgency, so that I would um, have that uh, daily alertness, that I would be walking in that reality, that, that, that as I go throughout my day, I would be thinking about the fact that he could come back at any point in time. And so that changes how I live, right? That changes the urgency. It changes how I have my conversations. It changes what I say. It changes how I deal with my family. And, and, and so guys, one of the challenges here is I just, man, and this is sad, but I'm just going to be straightforward. I don't see this posture in Christian culture. I don't see it. I don't even hear about it. And I wonder if we have fallen into that. To where we no longer are thinking about his return. To where we're, to, to, to the point where now we're, we're going through, see, I think a lot of people, they go through their day and they're like, man, I just wanna, I wanna do my best to follow God. I wanna do my best to be obedient. And I wanna be consistent in my time with God and maybe get some prayers in there and I wanna be consistent at church, right? And we, and we kind of just like, there's this list that I'm just progressing at that I'm doing and, and, and I'm doing good and, and okay. And at the end of the day, I can go like, all right, and I'll pray for my dinner and feel really good about the day. And yet I read this and I go, no, there is, there is a whole nother level uh, there's a whole nother degree that I am called to follow Jesus with, amen? I am called to have this urgency throughout my day knowing that he's returning and, and, and knowing that the gift of time that I have throughout my day, the gift of relationships uh, with my family, with my friends, with my coworkers, with my roommates, and anybody else that he's gonna bring into my life, that is a gift because what he's saying by that moment that you just have breath is he's saying, I haven't come back yet so that you can share about the hope that lies within you. I haven't come back yet uh, because there's people that are lost that have yet to be found. And, and, and so I, I wake up one or two ways, right? I wake up and I just, like, business is normal. I do my thing, uh, you know, and, and I go to work and, 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 and I'm successful and I'm, I, I do things the right way and, and I try to love my family well and that. Or I get up and I know and am very aware that at any point in time God could come back and there is an urgency that I get to embrace with my day. And so the interactions that I have now, they're, they're a little different, right? It's no longer, how do I survive this conversation, God? <laughs> and there's some of those conversations to be had. And it becomes, God, where's the opportunities? Where's the opportunities? I, I just, every time I, I, I think about this, I, I think of my boys, and I've shared this before, but every morning before I go to work, 
they, they come up to me and they're, I mean, they're straightforward. They're like, when are you going to be home? You know, when are you going to be home? And, and the goal, what they want to hear is I'm going to be back before dinner. Like that's, that's the win in their mind. So if I say I'll be home before dinner, they are just rejoicing. They're excited. They're saying goodbye, all of that. And, and they're anticipating that. They're anticipating that so much that, that when I pull into the driveway and the garage door goes up, my kids have this awareness that that garage door's gone up. And I pull in, and as I'm pulling the car into the garage, the door to our house flies open. And there's these three little boys freaking out, climbing over each other, just so excited to greet me. It's the best moment of my day. Like, there's nothing like it. Like, I could have had the worst day ever, and I'm immediately like, God, you're good. God, you're good. Like, yeah, yeah. all those people, whatever. But man, God, God, look at that. He, that one looks like me, God. You know? Like, and, and they're so excited, right? And I just go, man, every time I'm convicted with that scene, God says, I'm coming back. My heavenly father, who's literally rescued me, brought me out of a life that was so far from him, loves me so much, gave me a new identity, says, I'm coming back. And yet, why am I not the child at the door anticipating that garage door going up? Right? Why am I not throughout my day going, man, God, this could be the day. This could happen. This could happen today. This could happen during this conversation. Right after this meeting, God, hey, here we go, right? Like every teaching, every opportunity that we have, that, that I have, like, like, am I asking that? Am I anticipating the return? And, and guys, I'm just honest. I don't see it enough in myself, and I don't see it in our culture anymore. And, 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 and I think it's so sad because for so many of us, when we received him as our Lord and Savior, you were that. Right? Like, like for some of you, it was dramatic. You came home and your family was just like, get away. What happened? Right? You are just like, you are like overflowing with Jesus into their life. Overflowing with what's happened in your life. You come back from this camp, this teaching, this moment on a Sunday, this song, whatever it was, and, and, and you're never the same. And, and what were you like? You were like, I can't believe he saved me. I, I can't believe he's coming back. And I have this time to be used by him. And so I'm gonna go. And, and when, you, when that hit you for the first time, you weren't in like first gear. You, you skipped a whole bunch of gears, right? And just went for it. And then scoffers come, right? And maybe there's not even these scoffers you see, but all of a sudden you take on some of these characteristics going, yeah, he's coming back. Yeah, he's coming back. Well, they thought that, they believed that. In fact, the New Testament, they were selling stuff. They thought he was gonna come back. He didn't come back then. He's not coming back now. You don't say that because it's not appropriate, but we live that way. And we actually start to take on the very characteristics of this world that we're called to be different from. And now our hope looks like their hope, right? The things we're putting our hope in, it looks exactly like my friend over there who wants nothing to do with Jesus, and yet why are we so similar in our motivations and our purpose? There's a disconnect in our culture. And I think that it points back to this reality. Because, you know, when you get... 
When, you, when someone says, some of you have had, uh, whether it was a job interview, or maybe it was even after a great date, and that person says, hey, I'll call you back, right? I'm gonna call you back. This went well, I'll call you back. Now, if you're interviewing, you are just like, you don't say when. You, you're like, okay, great. And you leave, and then you go home, and then you say when, right? When is that gonna happen? And then it's like a day, right? It's a day, and you're like, hey, honey, do you think I should like remind them that they said that? Should I call them? Should I just check in, make sure the job's still on the table? Like what? You know, and you're stressed, right? You're, you're consumed with that. Or if it was like a date, you're like, they said they'd call me back. I don't know, was it me? Was it that? Did I have this on my face? I didn't think I did. Did I talk too much about myself? Like, ah, like, and you start questioning everything, and that callback literally hijacks your mind. You can't stop thinking about it. Right? Every day, it's like, are they going to call today? Is this going to happen? I'm so ready. I'm so prepared for this, right? I'm anticipating it. And yet, over time, right, the call didn't come. And so what happens, right? Every day that the call doesn't come, you become a little more discouraged, a little more defeated, and you you start to stop anticipating that call ever happening. And guys, I feel like for us, Christ's return has become a normal thing and we've stopped waiting for the call. We've stopped anticipating the call. It doesn't, anticip- it, 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 it doesn't consume our hearts and our minds like it should because if it did, we would have some defining characteristics about our life, wouldn't we? What does he say would be the characteristics of our life? He says, your life, your attitude would be characterized by holiness and godliness. Those are the two examples here. Now, when you see the word holy, holy means separate, right? So set apart. The nation of Israel was a holy group of people. They were set apart for God's purpose. So if I'm a Jesus follower, I, I, I am set apart for his purposes, okay? So, so I'm called to be holy. I'm called to live this set apart uh, life. Now, that doesn't mean I, I don't, treat people with love, and, and it doesn't mean that I look down on people. Uh, in fact, no way. You're like, man, I, God has separated me uh, so that they'll see the difference and want Jesus, right? So, so there's a holiness, and then he says there's a, there's a godliness uh, component, and godliness describes a person whose life is just devoted to pleasing God. That's godliness, and he says, this is how, if, if he is coming back, and if you really believe that, these are the defining characteristics of your life as you live in anticipation for his return. And that's what gets you prepared and ready. In fact, 1 John 2, 28, it says, and now little children abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. He says, take on these characteristics, abide in him so that you are confident, you are excited, and at the thought of his return, you don't shy away, but you're excited, right? Because there's two of us in this room, right, when we talk about his return. There's some of us in this room, when I talk about his return, you're like, oh yeah, come back. What's he waiting for? Let's go, right? And there's others of you that go, oh, I forgot he was coming back. Oh, he's coming back. He's coming back. Right? So he says, if you're going to abide in him and walk with him, that's going to bring this, this expectant hope, this confidence as he comes back. And then Peter there closes by reiterating how God will destroy the universe. It's just like a ping pong ball of emotions, isn't it? 
It's one minute you're like, yes, and then the world's over, you know? And, and he reiterates that God is going to bring about this final destruction of the universe. The day of God will arrive, and we see this corrupted world system that we live in. It's going to be forever abolished. Um, and, and, and according to his promise, that new day is going to um, also do what? Right? After it's destroyed, abolished, he says it's going to bring a new heaven and a new earth. Guys, don't miss verse 13. It says, but according to his promise, he says, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Okay? There's only like five people excited for that. That's, that's fantastic. I mean, he's talking, he's talking the best, right? This, this is where righteousness dwells. This is heaven. This is eternity. This is the new Jerusalem. In fact, let me just read Revelation 21. I'll just read verses one through four uh, with you because you're clearly not as excited as you need to be. It says this, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Like that. He goes, he goes, he goes like, that's coming. Like, wake up, church. That's coming. I, I, wh- how in the world can you hear that and go, oh, that's great. Tomorrow's going to be a great day. I'm, I'm going to follow him. I read that, and I'm like, oh, let's go. It's forever with him. It's where righteousness dwells. Every tear, every pain. You guys have been through a lot of pain, a lot of tears, a lot of situations. He said, that is going away. Everything that is broken is disconnected from a perfect and holy God. It's going to be brought. He's going to to fix. He's going to restore. He's going to create. And we are all going to be with him, dwelling with him for all of eternity. And he says, get excited for that. Wait with expectancy for that. Guys, I want to close our time with this. How are you waiting? How are you waiting? Is, is, is this return that we're talking about that, that he says is going to happen, is this return on your mind? Is it ever on your mind? Was it once on your mind? Has that promise today, maybe reawakened you, has that promise today given you an urgency for you to share your faith? Has it, has it brought that urgency for you? And wherever you're at, elementary, middle school, high school, college, young professional, married, where, kids, retired, um, 
wherever you find yourself at in life, in whatever environment, whatever situation, whatever city you live in, has this promise generated an urgency that, that there's not a mistake that you're there. There, there. God hasn't neglected. He hasn't forgotten about you. He, he didn't miss the ship. He knows where you're at. And he promises that I have a perfect and holy plan for your life. In fact, 2 Samuel twenty two thirty one. it says, this God, his way is, it says, perfect. The word of the Lord proves True, he says. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. Okay, so, so, so he's got a perfect uh, plan for your life. And so this moment that you have, whatever you're walking through, whatever pain, whatever ailment, what, whatever situation that maybe isn't ideal or maybe what you want, he's at work. He's at work. Do you have urgency though? And guys, this is why I am so passionate about outreach. This is why I'm so passionate. If I'm going to live in this city, we're going to try and reach the city, right? If we're going to say, hey, we're a church uh, for people that are far from God, that don't know God, that can come and, 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 and come with whatever background they have and come in here and explore faith, ask difficult questions, and, 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 and just maybe find out who God is and receive him as their Lord and, and Savior. You guys, uh, they don't just wander through the, I mean, sometimes they do, and it's amazing. But that doesn't just happen, does it? I mean, there's so many people in this room that someone else said, come with me. There's so many people in this room that are in this room or watching online because someone reached out to them in their brokenness. Someone noticed them. Someone prayed for them. Uh, there, there was a place for them to go uh, where they could belong before they even believed, where they could go and find restoration in this addiction, in this struggle, in this thing that was in their life. Maybe they were just burnt out, beat up by a church experience that they could just come and find restoration and hope uh, and, and, and healing, you guys. And, and so we have to be a church that is outreach-driven, outreach-focused. That's why one of our core values is to proclaim the gospel. And it's not just a, hey, Steve, will you make sure you proclaim the gospel on Sundays, please? Like, no, this is who we are, wherever we're at. That's why I love these outreach ministries. I love it. I'm so passionate about it. If you have no heart for outreach, you're gonna struggle at this church. And lastly, I wanna ask this. How does this truth connect to the other areas in your life where you find yourself waiting. If this is what he's doing overall in the delay, can you acknowledge maybe that even in your season of waiting, he's at work for your greatest good and he's gonna use this circumstance and this situation ultimately to reach people He's so good, guys. He's so good. And he's coming back. Let's live differently in light of that. Amen? Let's be passionate. Let's embrace this opportunity.